Good morning and welcome to the Hamilton Wealth Partners podcast number 48 for September 2020. I'm Will Hamilton. The four words which have always worried us are this time it's different. Look, the three older partners of our firm each have over 35 years experience each in financial markets. Yet it was Kane Barano, the youngest of our partners, who recently pointed out <coughs> excuse me, that the 90-day rates are now 22% lower than two months ago and 10% lower than a month ago. So this is a big cut to incomes for retirees and it's going to force them up the risk curve in search of income. This is one of the key reasons we think why equities have run so strongly and why the gap between Wall Street and Main Street has widened. We have a stock market at or near all-time highs, and at the same time, the greatest economic slowdown since the Greatest Depression. So you add to that the dilemma facing those seeking income, that dividends has also been cut. Now, banks for a long time have been the market darlings for the yield-based investor. Um, these lower dividends that they're seeing are not a short-term phenomenon. See, APRA, who are their regulator, have stepped in with guidelines around bank dividends. So this is now a structural issue for them in, over the medium term. So for self-funded retirees, again, the cut in dividends is a pay cut. So we mentioned in last month's insight that reporting season is crucial for future direction and guidance. So about 35% of Australian companies are reported have also provided guidance. So many of these were punished for simply providing what the market was asking for. Ironically, those companies who pri- whose prices have outperformed often didn't provide guidance, but they're bad numbers that were better than the worst case scenarios expected by analysts, if you get what I'm trying to say. So bad, but better than than uh, the, the bad numbers expected. So another irony is that stockbrokers are reporting that downgrades are outstripping upgrades. We believe this is the key reason the domestic market's gone sideways. So we've dramatically underperformed, um, especially the US S&P 500, uh, and in particular, as I just said, the United States, but also global markets. So there's about a 20, we've under, underperformed by about 20%. In last month's Thought Leader Series webinar with Craig Fuller from Amazon Australia, Craig illustrated to us the acceleration in e-commerce that's occurring because of COVID-19 and why many traditional retailers are faltering. So the lockdowns have forced consumer behaviour to change and as a result, there's an online boom. There are clear winners um, from COVID-19, not only health, transport and logistics, but also some retailers such as JB Hi-Fi, um, who were most advanced in their online presence prior to COVID-19. They've clearly flourished during the pandemic, whilst the traditional department stores, which rely on foot traffic, they've just simply languished. Howard Marks, who you know we have quoted often, he's a very legendary investor, and he's from a firm called Oak Tree Capital. He refers to the environment we're in as SSDD, or same stuff, different day. He said, in short, term, in short, the titanic forces are arrayed against each other, Fed and Treasury versus disease and recession. So which one's going to win? Marx went on to say, it certainly can be argued that the tech champions of today are smarter and stronger and enjoy bigger leads than the big, bigger companies of the past and that they have created virtuous circles for themselves. That will bring rapid growth for decades, justifying valuations well above past norms. Today's ultra-low interest rates justify further unusually high valuation and they're unlikely to rise anytime soon. So Chanticleer, the AFR columnist, they pointed out in an article where they were discussing Marx's views that I've just mentioned, 
that he looks back to the late 60s as a comparison. And when he started invested, investing, he started to invest in 1969, by the way. IBM and Xerox were likewise expected to outgrow the rest and prove impervious to competition and economic cycles, and thus were awarded unprecedented multiples. In the next five years, their stockholders lost, lost almost all of their money. We've discussed a few times in our insights and therefore through these podcasts that we've been in a melt-up in certain areas of the market, and this has been led by the large US tech stocks. It was recently pointed out to me that if the top five tech stocks that have led the S&P 500 were to fall 10%, the bottom 100 stocks would have to rally 90% to compensate. They're actually calling it the S&P 5 and the S&P 495, actually. In looking at alternative sources of return, investors need to balance the risk they're prepared to take and ensure this is aligned with with the risk they're putting into their portfolios. So in August, there was also a lot of talk about a vaccine for COVID-19. As Capital Economics in London pointed out, no vaccine is 100% effective. And in the US, for example, the FTA usually targets an efficacy rate of about 80%. Now, the bar in this case has been lowered to 50%. So this reflects the compressed timetable for development and the fact that it often takes time for vaccines to reveal their efficacy. This clearly leaves a large range of potential outcomes from a vaccine that is effective in one or two cases to one that's effective in four or five, four out of five, sorry. So let alone the longevity of such a vaccine, which we don't know. As wealth managers, we're optimistic and we defer back to capital economics for the last say on the vaccine. A vaccine will be the key and the progress towards it's been nothing short of astonishing. By the same token though, it would be wrong to assume the development of a vaccine will necessarily transform the economic outlook for 2021. The market will treat any disappointment harshly. So what does concern us is that complacency is returned in markets. Valuations do not seem to be taken into consideration. Investors are speculating as they chase returns as opposed to investing. The surge in equity markets has accelerated valuations. The S&P 500 in the US made an all-time high last month having gained 54% from its low in March of this year. The Financial Times in London, they pointed out the S&P 500 rally reflects a record divergence between winners and losers. So therefore those that have won versus those that have been held back. Um, It benefits, as we've mentioned, the big tech groups. So the big five, as they're called now, represent over 20% of the S&P 500, the biggest weighting for the top five since at least 1980. We can't see a specific event on the horizon that's going to push equity markets lower. The markets fell earlier this year when the impact of government responses to the pandemic became clear, then rose when the pandemic impact appeared to be coming under control. Equity markets risks will continue to be tied to the pandemic. Simple as that. Any acceleration in cases that leads to further lockdowns, such as we've gone through in Victoria, and the so-called second wave, um, we know about all too well. Government and central bank stimulus together with the hunt for returns we've mentioned at the start of this insight, um, have underpinned and supported risk-based assets. And there's a lot of optimism priced in at the moment. Be careful. Don't chase yield by moving too far up the, re- yield, uh, up the risk curve. It's about balancing risk and uh, reward. Investors should ensure they have a plan, be sensible and stick to it. One thing we can predict, and I will say, is this time it is not different. Please feel free to forward this podcast on to any of your friends and colleagues. If you've got any queries, don't hesitate to contact myself, Will Hamilton, or my colleagues, Ian Gillies, John Green, or Kane Barano. Have a great day. Thank you.